Hey there. My name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, real life coaching sessions, and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self-worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, babes. So on this episode, we are going to be talking about disappointment. Mine and yours and other people's disappointment. I am willing to bet, no matter who you are, that you are afraid of fucking up. That you're afraid of letting someone down. That you're afraid of letting yourself down. I am also willing to bet that you have had your own experience on the other side of that, of someone else fucking up or disappointing you or letting you down. And you know how that feels. And so I want to talk about this because I personally spend a ton of time thinking about it myself and talking about it to some extent with clients, this idea of disappointment and how, you know, both disappointment and the fear of it can drive so much of what we do and also, honestly, what we don't do, what we choose not to do. And so, you know, maybe you're listening to this and you're afraid to pursue a goal or a dream because it feels worse, the idea of trying and failing, than to just not try at all. And so you don't try. Um, You know, maybe you are in a relationship where You don't ask for what you want or for what you need or, quite frankly, for what you probably deserve in your relationship because you you are afraid that the other person will either reject you out of hand, say that, you know, they're not going to give you that, or that, you know, they won't live up to what you ask of them, that you'll set an expectation and they won't live up to it. You are afraid that they will let you down, which leads to, you guessed it, disappointment. And so this is important for us to talk about. And so I asked some folks on Instagram, um, which is where I turn for most all things in my life. Um, I asked some of you who follow me on Instagram to share, you know, some thoughts, some questions, reflections, feelings about disappointment and your own relationship to it. So, you know, I want us to start there as we dig in. So the first thing someone wrote in was this. Someone wrote, I don't think folks understand disappointment and how our expectations of others set us up for it. Okay, so that was one thing that somebody wrote. And as an interesting kind of contrast, someone else wrote this. A fellow foster parent told me I needed to lower my expectations of my foster daughters so I wouldn't be as disappointed. I was honestly floored and our relationship hasn't been the same since. So... I mean, these two are a fascinating comparison to me, these two responses. And they actually came in one right after the other. 
And fun fact, um, you know, both of these folks who wrote in actually are foster parents, although only one person references it, and I don't think that they know each other. But all that is to say, we are going to talk about both of these and kind of the different sides of this coin that they both are referencing. So, you know, the first response um, to the person who says, you know, people don't understand disappointment, how our expectations of others set us up for it. I actually do agree with this philosophy um, in general. And I, you know, I really do believe that kind of the primary source of our disappointment, when you think about it, really is unmet expectations. So, you know, when a situation or a person or a job or a bowl of ice cream, <laughs> literally anything that doesn't live up to the expectation that we had for it, we then feel disappointed. So this really like the equation is basically like, expectations of a situation plus reality that doesn't live up to that expectation equals disappointment. And so we all probably have an example that we're thinking of right now. I have like three examples of this that have happened in the last week for me. Um, This is a common experience. And so it's like very human, very normal. Um, But when you break this down, I mean, when you think about it and what this person is really getting at is that there are a couple components to what leads to disappointment. And one is your expectation of how something is going to go. And the other is how it actually goes. And so, you know, the expectation piece is what we zoom in on to really control because, you know, the actual reality of how things pan out, you have control over it when it's an expectation of you. So if you say, you know, hey, I'm going to wash the dishes today and then by the end of the day you didn't wash the dishes, yeah, you might be disappointed in yourself, but that's different from what we're talking about here. Um, You know, this person references expectations of others setting us up for disappointment. And so, you know, when we think about our expectations of others versus others' actual behavior, we there's no like way that we can kind of tweak or like, you know, turn the dial on somebody else's behavior necessarily. No direct way anyway, because and if you haven't heard me say this before, I'll say it to you now and I'll say it multiple times. You cannot control other people's behavior. So I'll say it again. You cannot control other people's behavior. And believing that you can is going to set you up for more disappointment because other people are making their own choices. We are only truly in control of ourselves, of our own choices and our own experiences in a lot of ways. And so, you know, knowing that we can't control somebody else's behavior, what we can do to avoid being repeatedly disappointed by others is we can look at adjusting our expectations. And so, you know, that is the natural response kind of for people is like, okay, adjust your expectations. Let's, you know, figure out how to do that. And first of all, I'm like, I do want to say that that's not always an easy thing to do. Some, you know, people might approach it like, oh, just like, okay, you're being disappointed a lot. Like, let's, you know, why don't you adjust your expectations? One, what the fuck does that even mean? And so I find that, you know, most people that I talk to, which includes myself, I I talk to myself a lot, (laughs) which you all know, Um, but most people I talk to tend to just apply the same blanket expectations to others that we have for ourselves. It's kind of the natural inclination is that we assume that other people are playing the game of life by kind of the same playbook and rules that we are. And y'all, this is a big, big error. So this is where, like, this is the key place I feel like a ton of disappointment originates from, is this idea that we are operating as if, like, we're, we're assuming that others are playing by our same rule book, 
by our same playbook and they are kind of operating from all of our same perspective. And we know that that's not true. As Just as I'm saying that out loud, you're probably like, no, of course other people aren't operating from, you know, with all the same principles and whatever as I am. And I think this is very human, right? To kind of, that our natural inclination is to assume that others are operating from our perspective and to kind of be centered on our own perspective. But the work of, you know, adjusting our expectations for others is to kind of, you know, zoom out from that a little bit and to realize that the way that we would respond in a given situation or the way that we would react to something is not necessarily what would come naturally to someone else. And that if we, if we need them to do something different, um, you know, especially as it relates to us, that we might need to make that explicit. And so, you know, um, when we don't do that and when we make assumptions and when we have expectations that we don't make known, you know, it's likely that somebody is going to make a different choice than you would make. And that choice might let you down. In fact, that's super likely. Um, But just to be clear, what I'm saying here is not, you know, don't have standards. Just lower them all the way down as low as you can go and just you know, just know that people are going to do whatever they want to do and you should just be okay with it. And then you'll never, you know, be disappointed. You'll, you'll always be either like, it'll be confirmed that people are shit or you'll be pleasantly surprised. No, dude, (laughs) that is not what I'm saying. Um, But what I am saying is that people are going to be who they are and make the choices that they make. And so what you can do is you can calibrate to that and part of that is is giving them a choice to kind of honor a boundary or expectation for you by making it plain. So, you know, when somebody that makes somebody makes a choice that feels challenging for you, that violates your boundaries, that hurts you, etc., then you are going to need to do something that is going to feel maybe uncomfortable, maybe re- totally revolutionary and it's never occurred to you before. And so what I'm about to say might sound pretty fucking wild, but if somebody is doing something that that is hurting you or is disappointing you or it is letting you down or it's not living up to kind of your standards, then you need to tell them that. Okay? You need to tell them and you need to let them know because what you're doing then is you are giving them all the information they need to operate with. You're giving them all the information they need to then make their own choice, but an informed, educated choice. So this is, again, this is, you making an intentional choice to not make assumptions about kind of where they're coming from, the rules that they're operating by. And if we think about it as a game, if we're playing a game, you know, and not to say that any of this is like silly, like a game, but, it, you know, if you imagine that kind of analogy, if you want to continue to play with this person, you need to show them the rule book you're looking at, especially if you feel like they're violating it. Show them the rule book. Let them know that something that they've done or said or haven't done has violated a rule of yours and, you know, then make suggestions or requests of them or, you know, give them a directive potentially for what what you need them to do differently next time. So if we use kind of, if we use a real life example, let's say, let's say that in your house you don't wear shoes. So that's a rule in your house. You don't wear shoes. And you have a spot by your front door where folks are, when they come in, they're supposed to take off and leave their shoes there um, when they come into your house. And then when they're inside your house, they don't have shoes on. And so you have a new friend that comes over. They've never been to your house before. And so they're coming over to your house for the first time. And they just walk right in with their shoes on. 
and you know they're they're inside your house walking around and so you know the way if we're applying this kind of logic of making your expectations or your needs known then kind of the best most straightforward way to approach this is like to just quickly as soon as they come in just say hey um actually if you could take your shoes off that'd be great we're a no shoes house straightforward you're letting them know the expectation it doesn't have to be in like a super intense wild way it's just to say hey this is the expectation probably that person is going to say oh cool thanks for letting me know they're going to take off their shoes no big deal okay now maybe you don't make the expectation known when they first come in because it's kind of feels uncomfortable and they come in and they walk all over your house with their dirty ass shoes and you are uncomfortable and you are grossed out and then at that point there are two choices you can let them leave and then they come back the next time and they either walk around your house with dirty shoes or as they're leaving you could say hey slightly more uncomfortable version hey um you know, I didn't get a chance to catch you when you came in, but we actually don't wear shoes in the house. Like, I I know you didn't know this time. Um, so I understand it's not a big deal. But, you know, next time, if you can just try to remember and I'll, I'll try to remind you to take your shoes off when you come in. And it's probably going to be embarrassing for that person a little bit. Um, they're going to say, oh, shit, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I'll take them off next time. But like this is like the real life illustrative example of this kind of playing out. It's the expectation setting. It is, you know, letting people know when an expectation that you have has been kind of breached or they have not met it. But it also is acknowledging in this example, like, I know I didn't make that expectation clear to you. It's giving the person some grace. You can't be too mad at that person for walking into your house with their shoes on if you didn't tell them, hey, we don't wear shoes here. Do you see what I'm saying here? So I think it's, you know, that's a piece that's really important too is acknowledging that when we have an expectation, is it a realistic one? Is it realistic to have expected this person to know this? And maybe to some extent it is, right? If, you know, if you're having a party and somebody walks in and everyone else has their shoes off and this person just doesn't pay any fucking attention and they leave their shoes on and their shoes are covered in mud and they walk over your house, okay, that's a little bit more data to work with. But, you know, if it's just you having a person over to your house and you haven't mentioned it to them at all, then you have reason to believe that maybe they didn't know the expectation. And so name it for them. Give them a chance. Give this person a chance to the next time they come in, maybe they'll say, oh, I remember from last time that this is a no-shoes house, so I'm going to take off my shoes as soon as I come in. Maybe you have to remind them again, but maybe when you remind them of what the expectation is, they meet it happily. And like what you see here is this is really kind of this ongoing negotiation of your expectations with people. And of course, there are going to be kind of more serious high stakes examples in this, right? This is about shoes inside your house. Although a lot of people would argue this is like a pretty high stakes thing. It's really disgusting germs out there in the world. Um, but, you know, people people are going to show you who they are just in life in general. And especially if you make your needs known. Because what you're doing when you make your needs known, when you make an expectation known and you make it clear, what you're doing is you're giving folks the opportunity to rise to the occasion and meet the expectation or even exceed it or not. You are giving them that opportunity to do that, to, to not have to guess. And so that's what you're doing when you're making the expectation plain. 
Now, for the second question, so the person who wrote in and they shared that uh, they're a foster parent and a fellow foster parent encouraged her to lower her expectations of her foster child so she would be less disappointed. So I think this is a great example of how we can actually overcorrect when we adjust our expectations. So it is one thing to adjust your expectation when someone has shown you who they are um, and to use that data of someone's past behavior or treatment of you to, you know, inform what you expect or anticipate from that person. And so for me, if somebody has consistently taken 36 hours to return any text that I send them, I am not going to then text that person and expect an immediate reply because I am setting myself up for disappointment and I know who they are. I know how they have historically responded. And so, you know, I'm going to be aware of that and adjust my expectations accordingly. But I believe that it is another thing entirely to kind of squash expectations and lower them across the board to try to avoid disappointment altogether. So I'll give an example of this with one of my foster kids. So I have one kiddo who is in kindergarten and she is just learning to read, which is pretty fun. Um, She is very kind of preliminarily sounding out entire words. Um, and right now she still she still struggles quite a bit um, with a lot of words. She can get frustrated pretty easily. She's a bit of a budding perfectionist. Um, but she has gotten through reading an entire book, actually, by herself, just by sounding out the words, which is awesome. Um, so, you know, using that example, if I'm avoiding disappointment altogether, I might just assume my kid will never learn to read another book ever again. Which sounds ridiculous, right? But, you know, if I'm if I am like, I don't want to be disappointed. I know that she can read this one book. So let me just assume she's never going to learn to read a book ever again and keep my expectations super low. And I make it almost certain that I'm never going to be disappointed. She knows how to read that one book. If I never guess that she's going to if I if I never expect she'll read anything else ever again, I'll only ever be pleasantly surprised if she ever learns to read another book. But I'm not going to expect it. Because what if she doesn't? Disappointment. And so that's one extreme, right? The other extreme is like putting, you know, Faulkner in front of my kid and expecting like she can read now so she can read this and then feeling disappointed when she struggles to do that because it's an unrealistically high expectation versus unrealistically low. So the person who wrote to me about another foster parent telling her to lower her expectations of her kid, this is what I think of. I think it harkens back to this notion of like, release all expectations of anything and anyone, which like I think is kind of horseshit. I mean, yes, I love this idea of non-attachment or, you know, non-attachment when you don't have control over things. It's right back to like, we can't control other people, like kind of releasing that idea of control. But when you're a parent, there, there are elements of this that you have real control over or real influence at least. And as a parent, I actually believe you have a responsibility to believe that better is possible. And God, this is especially true for kids who are in foster care, where, you know, we know that pouring extra love and care and belief into kids who are in foster care can often be the difference in whether they, you know, are able to develop their own tools and coping skills and to begin their own kind of healing from trauma. And so this idea of lowering your expectations that low is actually super harmful 
and even offensive, which is the sense I get from this foster parent and her tone in writing to me is that this is an offensive notion. It's just like, well, just lower your expectations and you'll never be disappointed. It feels kind of glib. And so back to my reading example, I feel like the sweet spot is to kind of just aim a little higher every time to know where my kid is at, but believe that she has the potential to grow and to stretch herself little by little and to learn and to flourish but incrementally. So in a way that doesn't lead to her thinking that there's something wrong with her because she's not reading the Odyssey at age five, right? And so, you know, there's another question, actually, a listener uh, question that somebody wrote into me on Instagram that relates back to this. So somebody wrote, how do you both have high expectations of yourself and then curb guilt if you don't make it? So like balancing this high expectations and then you know, not being too hard on yourself if you don't meet them when, you know, it's expectations of you. And so I think this can apply both to our expectations of ourselves, which is what this question asks about specifically, but also to our expectations of others and how to balance this idea of standards and continuous disappointment. And I actually think I, um, I think I spoke to this in one of my first ever podcast episodes where like, where's this balance between holding a really high standard and like also being able to compromise and being able to be flexible. And so I think there always has to be this expectation or this this question of like, is the expectation super clear? So, you know, asking yourself, is my expectation here crystal clear? That is both for you and for anyone else that you're expecting something from. So The expectation should be absolutely clear. This is why when we set goals for ourselves, it's one, it's really hard, um, but that you often hear about people saying that you should set SMART goals. And so SMART is an acronym and it stands for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. And I think this works great for expectation setting as well. I mean, this is the framework's really for goal setting, but it's also helpful in expectation setting because all of the pieces are still really salient and important. So if I'm, let's say I'm setting an expectation for an employee, for example, let's say I have someone on my staff and he is always late and it's impacting his work. And so I need to have a conversation with him where I'm super clear about what that expectation is. So if I'm using that, that smart framework to set my expectations, I might say to him like, hey, employee, I've noticed that you've been late every day for the last two months. I need you to be here before 9.15 a.m. every day unless there is an extenuating circumstance, um, in which case I, I need you to communicate that to me before 9.15. Um, so if you're not in your desk by 9.15, I need to have heard from you by 9.15 about why you're not. Um, And those types of extenuating circumstance situations really shouldn't be happening more than a couple times per month. So I'm going to be monitoring your arrival time closely for the next 30 days. And if I'm noticing that you're not meeting this expectation, we will need to revisit this conversation and whether this role is a good fit for you. So I know a work example feels like really formal, but I honestly, I think we could benefit from a little bit more formality and clarity in these types of conversations in our personal life, too. And so I think to the second part of your question, the like curbing the guilt if you don't make it, it's to be really clear with yourself from the get-go about what happens if the goal isn't met and then stick with that. So I mean, this is even true in the example where we're talking to someone else about the expectation for them. It's true for you too. And it doesn't need to be a guilt thing. 
And even in the example with the employee who's not meeting expectations, it's not really about guilt. It's not about making somebody feel bad. It's not necessarily about attaching emotion. It's about saying, hey, this is the expectation. Um, This is what is is expected of you. And this is what's going to happen if that expectation isn't met within the specific time frame. And it's sticking to that. And so, you know, for you, maybe don't make it about guilt. Maybe it's that, you know, you get a reward if you meet the goal and then you don't get it if you don't hit the goal. As straightforward as that. So it's, you know, something like, okay, I want to spend five hours per week writing for the next month. And so if by the end of this month, it's five hours per week, there are four weeks in a month. If by the end of this month, I have logged 20 hours of writing, I am going to upgrade to a new laptop. Okay, so five hours per week writing, I'm going to log it. If I have 20 by the end of the month, I will upgrade to a new laptop and then stick to that. Guilt doesn't have to factor in. So there are like, certainly there are feelings attached to disappointment and I don't want to minimize that. Um, But rather than feeling guilt, which is not necessarily a productive emotion in this case, I would suggest just working on a mindset shift where, you know, instead, what if you take just massive ownership of the choices you make? What if you say like, you know what, I didn't write for 20 hours this month, but I made a choice to watch Real Housewives of Orange County instead. (laughs) And, you know, that that was what I did for 12 of those hours. And I'm going to own it. I'm going to recalibrate for next month. And I'm going to do it on my same computer because I didn't hit the target for my upgrade this month. So I don't get to upgrade my laptop. So I'm going to do it on my old laptop. I'm going to try again next month. Maybe I'm going to adjust the number because I realize I need my, you know, some of those hours I need to like wind down from work. Maybe I'll try to target a different five hours per week, whatever it is. You don't need to, you know, don't need to feel the guilt. Own the choice. Own the choice that you made. If it was different, if it you didn't hit the goal, think about why and then recalibrate. Okay, so another question that we had was, um, or rather, I guess a topic of interest was how to talk to your partner when you're disappointed with them. So this one is hard. Um, and I think ultimately this is the kind of communication that takes a ton of practice over time and is not easy. So just to preface all of this with that, I'm not suggesting any of this is easy, even though what I'm about to say is pretty straightforward. Um, You know, I think a ton of this is being really, really clear about what we need and want and expect from each other. And this is hard because it requires vulnerability and honesty and clarity on what you're asking for exactly. Um, But ultimately, I do believe that expressing what you want and what you need, which is just another way of saying setting clear expectations like we talked about before, um, I think this is a great way to cut a lot of this stuff off at the past before you even reach the point of disappointment, which is not to say you're never going to feel disappointed. You are, probably, if you're in relationship with someone for long enough and if you're doing life with them enough. Um, But then, you know, if you're able to set those expectations clearly, then when your partner does miss the mark, you have something to reference back to. So you may still feel disappointed, but you have you don't have to let that kind of brew internally. You can talk about it. You can say, hey, we talked about this. What happened? Um, And honestly, even if you didn't talk about it beforehand, I have found in my own experience that it can also just be really effective to name that you had an expectation that wasn't met. Even if you didn't say it, just own that you didn't make that expectation or desire or need explicit. You didn't you say it directly to them. So your partner may not have known or been aware. Um, 
But that doesn't mean you can't name that you had the expectation. I think you just need to own the piece where it wasn't named. And so I think this can go wrong if you go in and you're like, I'm upset because you never brought me that glass of water when I wanted one. And so naturally your partner's response is going to be, you never asked me for a glass of water. And that conversation, you know, is not going to go well, but it can go differently if you frame it as like, hey, I feel disappointed because I wish you would have thought to ask if I wanted a water when you were in the kitchen anyway, getting yourself a water. But I realize I didn't ask for that either. I just wanted to name it now. So and like that might sound, I realize that a lot of the ways I communicate might sound like a little, a little like woo woo new agey. Um, But like this is an actual way I would communicate with my significant other is to like if I'm feeling something, I often will name it. Um, and she will do the same. And this helps to like, you know, and sometimes it's things like this, like literally like, hey, I'm feeling this. I realize it may or may not be based in any like specific thing you did or didn't do or logic or reason necessarily. But it's a feeling that's real for me now and I'm naming it for you. Um, and that leads to interesting conversations, right? It also like next time your significant other gets up and goes into the kitchen, they might think about this conversation and say, oh, you know what? Let me ask her if she wants some water. It's it's naming things and communicating things that, you know, when they're left kind of unsaid can lead to this like resentment. And sometimes we don't even know where it's coming from. But like here's a really critical thing I feel like we have to remember as we talk about making our expectations clear and telling people what we need is that they don't have to meet them. So like we can set expectations all day long. We can say we need something. We want something. That doesn't mean people have to do it. And so like I'm talking about all of this from the side that you can control. I'm speaking to you as an individual, making your own needs known and what you can what you can control, your own side. But please remember that people don't have to meet your expectations just because you've made them clear. And so the same go and the same goes for you, of course. These are all two-way streets. Okay? Somebody could set an expectation of you and you could say, "You know what? I'm not going to like that doesn't work for me. I'm not going to meet that." And this is why relationships are complicated. So I can tell you that, you know, you and I can be in a conversation. I can tell you that in order to be my friend, my expectation is that you will call me on the phone three times a day for a 30 minute conversation and you'll buy me dinner twice a week and you'll cancel your plans anytime that I want to hang out with you and you'll pay me $600. And then you get to say, no, Aubrey, that's unreasonable and I am not meeting those expectations. And that would be fine because that's your prerogative. That's your choice. And that can feel scary, right? I mean, not necessarily that silly example, but like it can feel scary, this idea that we can name our expectations, that we can be brave and we can state what we need or what we expect or what we hope from someone. And then they can still let us down. They could just reject it out of hand. They could say like, no way, I'm not doing that. Or they could even try, but then let us down and not live up to it. And that's what makes all of this scary. But it's also the reality is that, again, as with everything, like the willingness to be vulnerable, the willingness to name this stuff sets us up to get our expectations met. It makes it more likely because the reality is if you have this expectation, that's kind of brewing beneath the surface. No one knows about it. The person that you're holding the expectation of doesn't even know what it is that you're expecting them to do. That sets them up to fail which sets you up to feel hurt and disappointed and resentful. Whereas by giving them the information, they may make a choice to not live up to it. 
And I get that that can hurt in different ways, but it also sets you up to be much more likely to get what you need. And it sets the other person up to live up to something that would make you happy. And wouldn't you, if somebody had an expectation of you, wouldn't you want them to name it for you? I certainly would. Because it gives me more agency as the person who is then able to decide if I want to rise to the occasion or not. It is actually doing a service also to that other person, not even just to you. And ultimately, I mean, I guess the final thought that I'll leave you with is really that, you know, a lot of what we're talking about here and even the advice I give here and kind of what I've been talking about for this entire episode is this idea of avoiding disappointment. How do we avoid getting disappointed? But listen, I get that disappointment is uncomfortable. Both, you know, when you're feeling disappointed and when you're causing someone else to be disappointed. I get that it's uncomfortable. It's unpleasant. But you will survive it. Like, I really believe that. You can survive disappointing people. And yes, it can be uncomfortable. And yes, it can be scary. And yes, it can be sad. And someone might be angry. If you disappoint someone, they could be angry with you. You might lose a relationship if you disappoint somebody or if they disappoint you and you kind of hold a boundary firm. It might cause the end of a relationship. But I really believe that disappointment is something you can survive. And I think we, we do ourselves and others a disservice when we don't believe that we can survive disappointment. So what I would leave you with is not this idea that disappointment is to be avoided at all costs or that you shouldn't ever have expectations of anyone in your life and you should let go of all expectations and all standards and just let people be who they will be uh, without kind of, you know, having any expectation or making any asks. I think that's unrealistic. And, you know, I think that that is also unfair to you. I think it's okay to have expectations. But I also think that, you know, the way to kind of get the best result for everyone is that if you're going to have an expectation, make it known, you know, notice where you're holding that expectation of someone else or of yourself and make it known, make it crystal clear and give folks the chance to rise to the occasion. Give folks the chance to meet you where you want them to meet you, to kind of meet that expectation or even exceed it. And if they don't, know that there are many different paths forward from that. Know that, you know, this idea of disappointment, of expectation setting is an ongoing kind of conversation or negotiation that we have with people that is completely normal. It's something to practice. It's not something that you're going to get perfectly right. But the first step really is to notice where you're holding those expectations, to notice the scenarios where you're being continually disappointed and really just to pay attention to where that might be rooted, to where that might be coming from and think about what the lever is that you can pull to make choices to choose differently and to allow others to do the same. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review. 
and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.